Side Hustle Show 136, how a part-time blog turned into an eight-figure business. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, where aspiring part-time entrepreneurs learn how to turn their side hustle dreams into reality. Because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. And now your host, Nick Loper. What's happening? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show. Welcome to October Coming to you live from beautiful Livermore, California. Today's show is how a part-time blog turned into an eight-figure business. Stick around to hear how my guest started one of the world's most popular blogs, his best practices for writing sales copy that converts in any niche, and how you can find problems to solve using the world's best free market research tool. Yes, I am chatting with Brian Clark from Rainmaker Digital, formerly Copyblogger Media and still found at copyblogger.com. Now, I've got to confess, I'm uh, you know obviously aware of Brian and Copyblogger, but was not super familiar with his work. So I reached out to the Side Hustle Nation Facebook group uh, to to ask their help. Hey, what should I, what should I ask him? What should we talk about? So thank you so much to everyone who responded to that thread, Patrick. Dave, Kendra, Jim, Brian, Becky, and Tony. You may hear your questions sprinkled in throughout this conversation. If you're not already a part of the free Side Hustle Nation Facebook community, you can join at sidehustlenation.com slash FB. That will redirect you over there. Now, all the notes and links from this conversation are at sidehustlenation.com slash 136. And I've compiled a free uh, highlight reel PDF with Brian's top tips that you can download at that URL. Or if you're a U.S.-based listener, you can get it by texting copyblogger, all one word, to 33444. Message and data rates will apply. I always wanted to say that. Uh, excited to test out this newfangled texting thing that all uh, the kids are talking about these days. So if you do try that out, uh, you know, shoot me a note. Let me know if it works, how it works, or if it's horrible. Um, in the meantime, let's get into this call with Brian Clark. It, it started, I'm really concentrating on blogging, but it really encompassed um, what we now call content marketing. And I had been doing this thing we call content marketing since 98, 99, successfully really. So I knew what I was talking about because I'd built three businesses using content and online marketing, email, all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, at the time and when I came up with the brand, it was really about a different approach to blogging. Number one was applying copywriting principles that are typically for ad copy to content to make it more engaging, more shareable, all of those kind of good things that, that get us found and get us traffic. And the other thing, which was completely heresy at the time was, no, you shouldn't sell advertising, you should sell stuff. And of course, that's no big deal. Uh, but in 2006, in the blogging world, that, that ruffled some feathers. Uh, but it turned out that a lot of the bloggers, who the big bloggers who didn't like that, misjudged their audiences. So when they complained about me, their audience came over and joined mine, which I was like, thank you. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, so I, it really kind of came out of leaving. I was running essentially two real estate brokerages and a small law firm at one time between 2001 and 2005. And I was pretty burnt out and I wasn't really feeling passionate about what I was doing. So I finally just said, look, I really like doing content. I like doing marketing. Um, what I'm going to do is teach people what I know and see what happens. I, I have a feeling that if I build an audience, I can listen to them and figure out what it is they want to buy. So I came into it 
without a product, a service, or a business model for the first time in my entrepreneurial career. Okay. But of course, it turned out to be the most lucrative thing I've done so far. Now, in those early days, as you're running the law firm and these other businesses, like what was what did you find to be the most effective way to get uh, attention and grow that audience? So the two real estate brokerages were, you know, it's a very traditional offline business, but they existed only in the form of websites. They were virtual brokerages. And this is before Zillow and, and a lot of this stuff became more common. So it wasn't an innovative business, but it was innovative in the way that it, it worked and the way that I attracted customers. So I was very specialized. I only worked with buyers. Um, I provided tons of content on the site that explained why it's better to go with someone like me than someone who represents the seller or both sides of the transaction. Um, I created even back then, um, little courses, depending on what type of buyer you were. If you were a first-time buyer, you would opt in to uh, an email list, basically, that would deliver relevant information that matched up to um, what I knew to be the buying cycle for them. And then there was another one for people who were relocating to the area, area, and I knew that they had a longer decision cycle. It was usually they'd start searching online a year before they actually decided to do it and, and hired someone. So it was just knowing my audience and speaking to them in a way that explained why I was a better choice. And be, by doing that, even though I was technically cutting myself off of half the market, I had all the clients I could handle. Yeah, saying, hey, I'm the go-to person for this specific need and yes. creating content around that. Which is always a great rule of thumb for everything. We always want to appeal to everyone and that is the worst thing you can do. Yeah, if you're not pissing somebody off, you're <laughs> doing something wrong. Now, this is pre-YouTube, pre-Twitter. You know, Facebook is only open to college students at the time. Like, do the tactics used to grow these businesses and grow Copy Blogger apply today? Like, if somebody wanted to start a similarly ambitious blog project in in 2015 or beyond? Oh yeah, absolutely. And so, even at the beginning of Copy Blogger, social media was effectively blogs and bookmarking sites and and the old version of dig which was you know yeah. a social media news site so now that social media has gone mainstream and and people share content that's interesting i always maintain that it's easier now than it was back then now when i started the real estate businesses seo was a lot easier mm -hmm. so i started with this new thing called pay-per-click to get rolling uh, and i of course you know, the people I was competing against didn't understand what a landing page was. They weren't capturing email addresses. They weren't targeting traffic. All this basic stuff we take for granted now. In 2001, very few people yeah. understood that. So wild, I wild west. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, SEO. Uh, it, I was completely white hat, but it was still just very much easier to do if you were creating good content. So the stuff that worked back then fundamentally still works right now. SEO may be a little bit harder. It, it really just comes down. There's really not too much you can do if people don't like your content first because that's what Google's looking for. Mm -hmm. So the idea is to not think about Google at first and think about people and focus on building your email list because even if Google never works out, you've got a business asset right there. That's you know the, the channel online that still leads to sales. It's clearly email 40 times higher than social media. So you had some people who were kind of screwing up as social media became mainstream trying to sell on Facebook. Well, people aren't there to be sold to, but they will 
uh, you know, con- consume content. Uh, they will respond to an opt-in offer if it's good enough. And, and that's really still what works. Yeah, I think you hit on a couple of things. Most importantly is like creating something that's actually worth worth visiting, worth linking to, worth, you know, being that compelling piece of, of information to help people out or entertain someone because there's so many blogs and even pocket even this podcast so like who wants to listen to another an entrepreneurial interview show and it's something that i've had to kind of you know revise the the focus and vision on over the past uh, couple years and and thankfully the feedback has been good enough to to keep it going and the results have been good enough to keep it going well yeah this is a good this show is a great example of valuable information it doesn't always have to just come from you. Uh, you can share the expertise of others. And I've always done that. Even when I started Copy Blogger, like I said, I knew what I was doing, but I was always giving credit to those who had taught me. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because you don't have to pretend like it's all you. I think people can see through, to a certain degree, people who claim to have been invented a certain technique or strategy or something. And then they're like, no, you didn't. This guy over here did. And they're like, whoops. I So give credit, but you still build authority by sharing knowledge. Even if you just learned it the day before yesterday, you're two days ahead of your audience. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's an amazing thing. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, it very rarely comes from me. It's all, I owe it all to, uh, to the guests. I want to talk about kind of this transition from, you know, building this blog, building this audience and to turning that into a business, do you remember what the first thing you sold on Copy Blogger was? Uh, first monetization um, attempt? Yeah, well, it's interesting um, because technically our first product didn't come out until the fall of 2007. So that's what, a year and nine months, <laughs> which sounds like an awfully long time. Uh, but you have to remember again, the blogging world was very different back then. So I took my time to build trust to, mm-hmm. to where by the time we sold our first product it went from zero to a hundred grand in a week and a million dollars the next year, people were begging us and it was really me and I was working with partnerships and whatnot, but they were begging me to sell them something. Now that's a position you want to be in as opposed to why are you spamming me with offers, <laughs> you know, every minute. But once you have a going business and you have to balance things out between content and offers and all that, it's content marketing. We are in business here. But before that time, two things happened. I did a couple of affiliate promotions really for market research more than money to see if the audience would buy and what kind of things. And that mm-hmm. helped me decide what to build first. And the other thing is, Talk about a side hustle. I launched, uh, this is again, you remember it was the early days of YouTube. No one knew that Google was going to buy them, but we knew someone was going to buy them. They were too hot at the time. So me and another guy started a video tutorial site that was kind of, it was related to what we talked about on Copy Blogger, but obviously it was in a video format that appeals to a different type of person. So six months later, Google has bought YouTube. Video mania is beginning. Mm-hmm. So someone bought that site from us for low six figures. Wow. And that's what I used to keep going <laughs> until we got the first product out. So it, that's a good example of, of how uh, you can see an opportunity and chase it, maybe not as your long-term goal, but to fund something else. Yeah, take advantage of these um, little little blips in the market or these little gold rushes that are going on uh, as they come. 
When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. What was the uh, what was the product uh, that you that you came out with after one year and seven months? Again, the premise of copy blogger is that you you know you're not going to make any money off of advertising unless you just have massive traffic. And even now, ten years later, we know online advertising is in trouble. I mean, it just it just doesn't work the same way that that offline advertising did, at least in the banner ad type context. So what my audience needed was something to sell that um, they could create. So we decided to uh, offer training in online education. Now, again, it's weird to think about now because online education is a $15 billion a year industry. It is huge. It is gigantic. Mm -hmm. And that's what I told people in 2007. But I really had to persuade them. They were like, no, everything's going to be free. And it's all on, you know, and I just made this very methodical argument. And the, the really interesting thing about uh, the way we sold that product is we sold something that didn't exist. So oh, wow. it's, it sounds like a Kickstarter, but this was pre-Kickstarter. So if you have an audience, you can go to them and say, okay, this is what we're going to do for you. Uh, see if people sign up. And they did. And then we proceeded to you – know, we had five or six lessons ready to go on, on day one. But for the most part, we built – that entire training program over the next year, week by week, along with the audience, because we're getting feedback from them. You know, okay. it's the difference between writing an entire book and finding out no one likes it, <laughs> mm-hmm. or uh, writing the book along with your audience, which many people have done. Blogging uh, books is is very much a thing. 
people now are podcasting books. Interesting, right? That's right. Hey, it's an audio book now, <laughs> told in told in serial. Um, how uh, how many people are we talking to at this point? So by the time we launched the course, you know, I don't know, maybe twenty thousand. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a sizable list for sure, or sizable audience for sure. But really cool to be able to kind of get their feedback and say, hey, this is, this is, what, we're, this is what we specifically need help with. And it's all very meta because you're talking to other bloggers, other content creators about how to create content. And it's all kind of one big circle. But it ends, yeah, um, this is a, so meta. And um, <laughs> it's really been the hardest thing over the years because – you know, people think, well, you know, you, the whole meta thing, that's easier. No, it's not easier. <laughs> it's it, other, you know, normal niches are easier in that you're not uh, being recursive all the time in, in what you're talking about. So that's been a challenge over the years. But I have to admit that at the beginning, having an audience of bloggers was good for us because they had blogs and they linked to us. And that was very nice. Yeah, no, that's a, it, it makes it more challenging because you've got to be the authority. Like if you're going to have the Instagram account on how to grow your Instagram account, it's like. Yeah, when their trust level is, is so low. So, you you know, that's, again, why I worked a little harder and, and waited to make sure that everyone knew that I was just offering value. Um, I wasn't didn't have some evil plan. Uh, you know, <laughs> at first, it just took a while to figure out what they really needed. But once we got on a roll, we pretty much created a new line of business every year. So and it's all we never took venture capital, no outside investment. I, I think I spent about a thousand bucks before I got my money back from copy blogger. And that was early in year one. Now, my time yeah, that took a while to, yeah, <laughs> to yeah, compensate, yeah. but you know, that's all, that's what the hustle is all about, right? Yeah, absolutely. I would probably say my, my hourly rate from blogging is, is probably still below minimum wage. It's, it used to be very, very far below, but it's, and it's slowly creeping up, but it's probably not there yet <laughs> yeah. over, over the course of these, uh, over the course of these years. So what, what about this kind of, I posed this question in the Side Hustle Nation uh, Facebook group. Hey, I'm talking with uh, Brian Clark next week. You know, what should, what should we talk about? And one question came up was, hey, what's the best practices for writing sales copy? And I know this could be, this could be an entire podcast all on its own. But if you have any kind of high hard ones for people, a lot of, a lot of this audience is working on building kind of authority style businesses or working on selling, um, you know, books or products of their own. Right. Um, so anything that comes to mind for, for something like that? Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because the secret to writing great copy is the same thing as creating a great podcast or uh, a great magazine or, you know, whatever the case may be. And that's being able to speak to the audience as if it's one person and you know exactly who they are and what drives them and what their problems and desires are and how to satisfy them. And it's as simple as that, which is not that easy, but <laughs> simple. And, and so it all comes down to, you know, people will start a blog or they'll start a po podcast and they have kind of a half-baked idea and they don't really know who they're talking to but at least they get started, right? And mm -hmm. that, that's key. But over time, you, you start to get a, a better feel. And it seems like uh, this has even occurred with this show in that you got more of a sense of who's listening, what they need, what their problems are, and you're able to adjust your content accordingly. It's the same thing with sales copy. I mean, if you're going to get someone to open up their wallet or even just to opt into an email list or whatever the action is that you want. That's what copy is designed to do, make someone take action. Mm -hmm. And it's basically what's in it for them. 
And that, again, is, is very simple, and yet it takes a lot of research and it takes a lot of thought and a lot of empathy. It helps that I am a member of the audience that we sell to. Uh, maybe my entrepreneurial path is a little bit further down the road. It should be after 17 years, right? One would hope. <laughs> but but I've been there. I've been the solo. I've been the guy who hated his job and quit, you know, mm-hmm. and I've been a, a entrepreneur with bad management skills who learned how to delegate later and all of that. So that journey I've gone on was the basis of, of my new podcast, Unemployable, talking to people who are out there, whether uh, they've been on their own for six months or six years. They're getting it done. So I feel like I can help them with that. Yeah, I think the unemployable thing will resonate with with a lot of people. Uh, one of your early shows was was the unemployable skill set, which I, I kind of like that one. You want to talk about what, what it means to be unemployable in today's economy? I think a lot of people are like, shoot, I would have there's safety in employment. And yeah, and that's what kind of where I want to be. That's like a, a familiar place, but it's becoming uh, becoming less so. Yeah, there's there's no security in employment. I mean, I think I don't even think anyone really believes that anymore. I mean, they want it to be the exception. They want to find uh, the com- I hope that my company is an exception. You know, mm-hmm. we talk all the time. I've got a bunch of they call themselves unemployable misfits, but I've given them an environment where I let them do their thing. It's a very, you know, as long as you're getting your work done and we're all on the same page about where we're trying to get to, I always get this question, how do you manage 62 people who are all over the world? And I say, I don't. If I have to manage you, you don't get to work here. (laughs) But I do collaborate with them. So if you can turn a side hustle into your thing and then build from there, you have learned how to be an independent economic actor, right? You know how to make money in the world without a paycheck. These are the people I think have security because if you can spot opportunities and act on them and support yourself and your family, I don't care if it's at the freelance level or further up as as you move along. That to me is special and that's the kind of people I want to talk to. I think it was um, in uh, one of Chris Gillibo's book, your your competence is your security. So you don't have to rely on anybody else if you know how to go and, and get this stuff done. So from a, from a, I guess, a freelancer standpoint, that's where a lot of people will start out and saying, hey, I have, you know, this library of skills that I can can do and that I go around and I can, you know, find people in need of those skills kind of on demand. Any other overarching skills that come out or that you see as a trend either on your team or other unemployable people? Yeah. So this is the irony and this is what fascinates me as we hear constant concern about uh, the way technology is empowering companies to become smaller. You know, enterprises got big because transaction costs went down as they scaled. Now the reverse is happening. So you have a company like Uber who Effectively, if you look at the taxi industry, they've eliminated all those middle managers and dispatchers, which I think adds up to over 100,000 jobs in the taxi industry. Uber does it without them with an app. So that's kind of a trip, right? Mm -hmm. Then you hear about, okay, we've got automation and robotics and 
So long and short, the people who are safe to be employed, if you will, if that's such a thing, will have a certain skill set. And this is what I call the unemployable skill set. It's basically they're, they're creative. Uh, they can interact in complex social environments. So, you know, they're basically able to adapt and improvise at, at will. These are the type of people that will have the opportunity to be hired in the future. But that's also the skill set of the people who are entrepreneurs and freelancers. So let me ask you, which would you choose, the job or would you choose to go on your own? And I think that's the dilemma for a lot of of larger companies as we go forward. The best talent is probably not going to sign up for the long haul with you. And we'll see how this plays out in the future, but it's it's pretty fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. The the most talented people are going to be doing their own doing their own things. Once you know how to do it, like it's so empowering, it's so like freeing. Be like I'm, <laughs> hopefully I don't have to. Dust and there's off. a lot of talented people who are you know still stuck in jobs because they haven't taken the plunge. Once you learn how to tread water and then start swimming, then it, it gets really good. And and I'm not going to sit here 17 years later and say that's not scary. <laughs> Uh, it, it was <laughs> sometimes a little fear, you know, gets you going in the morning. Um, but it, it, you know, the more you learn each year, you grow as a person, as a business person, you find out where the intersection of, of your passion and profit really is. And if you're brave enough to go with that, which I've done a couple times where I was like, I don't care if I make less money, as long as I can support myself and my family. I'd rather be doing this. So when I left the real estate businesses, right, I was making a very good living. But now I'm making a much better living. You know, I mean, I'm the CEO of a company that'll do at least 12 million in sales this year. And that that happened because I went in the direction that I felt I should go, even if it meant making less money. And ironically, of course, it's led to a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, I, I guess one skill uh, that I would add to the unemployable skill set, I, I used to say that, you know, I believe creativity is the most important skill because even before sales, like, you've got to create something before you can go out and sell it. Yeah, Dan Pink's book, A Whole New Mind, covers this really well about the, the people that are going to be the most coveted. And again, they are people who generally tend to rather not have a job, which is, you know, it's an interesting dilemma. Yeah, definitely. Lately, the the skill that I'm trending as my new top skill is the skill of learning new skills, like the ability to, you know, keep figuring out what you yes. need to do. But let's talk about, you know, growing this company into what it has become today, just on the back of this, you know, 10 year old blog to say now this became Genesis and Studio Press and Rainmaker and all this stuff. And is this all coming from, you know, asking the readers what they want? Like, I mean, this is a really powerful thing. Yeah, we never ask, but we do watch, we do listen. Um, I consider social media to be the greatest free market research environment the world has ever known. It's just so, it's like drinking from a fire hose. That's the problem. So it, it takes a certain amount of, of skill. Uh, I did a recent episode of, of Unemployable that talked to Tara Gentili about observation. It's It's this ability to see the problems and desires that people have because you know, Steve Jobs famously said that people don't know what they want until you show it to them, but they do know what what they're missing in their lives. Okay. And that could be a desire for something else, or that could be a problem that's not being adequately solved. And that's our jobs as entrepreneurs to figure out the, the base thing that's not there and, and then provide it, right? So that's the tricky part. That is you, the tricky you've part. You've got to be able to spot it and then build it. 
but it works much better than the old, hey, what a great idea. Let's build it and then try to find some way to sell it and then find out no one wants it. Well, you've been very successful at finding those white spaces, and and it is a challenge. Like it's you know Steve Jobs and Henry Ford. Like if I asked the people what they want, they would have told me a faster horse. Yeah, because they didn't have a concept. Yeah, right? but they, they had a problem of transportation. That's obvious. Yeah, they don't even know what they're missing. So has there been any inside of you know social media observation? Like I I really wish I had a theme that did blah 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 i really wish i had a podcast platform that did blah, blah like is that what people are are literally tweeting about that you're picking up on no it's more like uh i can't do x y and z and i don't know css and i can't find a developer that's a problem okay right it doesn't say i need a theme that does this that said i am a barely technical you know i've been online for a long time so i used to code HTML the hard way mm-hmm. and FTP things and all that crap. But I've, I'm still not a coder. I'm not a highly technical person. I'm a content creator. I'm a writer at heart. So it helps to be a member of the tribe you're trying to provide for. And I am. I am very much like our perfect customer in that I want tech out of the way I want to be able to do my podcast or write my articles or do my video show or whatever the case may be, because that's ultimately what matters, right? This podcast is great because of you and your guest, not like I mentioned the RSS feed that propagates it to iTunes, <laughs> you know, and all that stuff. And as more and more people uh, come into this realm of content and social media, they're having a hard enough time figuring out how to create the content much less getting bogged down with technical things related to WordPress. You know, um, for us, WordPress compared to the way I used to have to do it was a godsend, and yet it was still not that easy. So that was how we got into that market. Building a design framework, for example, that takes a lot of the hassle out of digging into the source code and making changes, right? That's a very simple thing, but that is a huge benefit to someone like me, and by extension, our customers. Yeah, absolutely. Being being a part of that tribe yourself will build a huge amount of trust, and it kind of allows you to solve your own problems um, because other people are likely dealing with those uh, as well. Like we saw, like we heard from uh, John Naster. He's like, hey, "This is how I built Velocity Page after like literally pulling my hair out one night trying to make some stupid thing in WordPress yes. move over here." I'm like, "There's got to be a better way." Oh, it <laughs> exactly. turns out there is a better way, and that's that's empathy right there. So there are some people through research and extrapolation can go into a field they know nothing about and and then figure it out, right? But that's that's very difficult to do. So I'm a big proponent of figuring out who you are and what you care about to begin with, and then go from there. How can my problems effectively, uh, are they the same as other people? The flip side of this is in many ways, I'm not like a lot of our audience because I'm a big weirdo. You know, I mean, we're all, we're all our own unique human beings. So you have to be careful that not everything is going to line up perfectly between the way I view the world and everyone else does. But when it comes down to this core set of problems and desires, 
they are the same thing. You're walking in their shoes, seeing the world from their perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Brian, thanks so much for uh, dropping by to uh, share your wisdom with the Side Hustle Show uh, audience. Um, everyone check him out at uh, copyblogger.com, of course, and uh, rainmaker.fm for the Unemployable podcast. I think you'll enjoy that one. And uh, Brian, we'll wrap it up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. I love the whole side hustle thing. I think it's smart. Uh, the first time when I quit my job as an attorney, I just jumped, which probably wasn't the smartest thing, but I had let myself get really miserable, you know? So in, in hindsight, that's probably what I needed to do. And that pressure got me going and all that, but I would not advise it for anyone else really. But you know, a side hustle, uh, in psychological terms, the things that make us grow personally are called personal projects. You can call them all sorts of other different things, but a side hustle gig is a personal project. And if you're doing it purely to make extra cash, that's one thing and that's fine, but you're probably going to at some point burn out on it if it's not also something that you enjoy doing just for the process. So looking for profit, absolutely. But if you can enjoy doing the thing that you've chosen to do, it could be writing a book, it could be creating a course, it could be starting a podcast, because you have to show up consistently and you have to be into it, whether you're making a dime or you're making, you know, hundreds or you're making thousands. So just align your passion with your profit motive and you're going to be a lot happier. The psychological research on personal projects is all about what makes us happy. So I think you'll find that that makes you happier than just the money, because I don't know any entrepreneurs who do it just for the money. Yeah, I was surprised to see a post from you on Copy Plug just like last week. It was like, you know, how to use the rule of three in your copywriting. And I was like, man, this guy's still at it after almost 10 years. He's still do. So, yeah, find something you enjoy and uh, and then good things can come uh, can come from that. I like that, Brian. Thanks so much. We'll, uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks a lot. As always, some interesting insights from Brian in this conversation, including the counterintuitive advice to never ask your audience what they need, but instead to listen to what they say, what they tell you. It kind of goes against the, the Ask Formula book that's making the rounds this fall. Of course, another important distinction to make is that content marketing only works if the content is worth reading and sharing. And in the standards for that, only keep getting higher. So it's it's definitely a challenge becoming more challenging. But um, if, if you're up to the task, I think you might just have what it takes to be unemployable. So uh, check sidehustlenation.com slash 136 for all the notes and links and grab a free PDF download with all Brian's top tips from this call. Or if you're listening from the United States, you can text copyblogger to 33444 to get a copy of that highlight reel document as well. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned next week to learn how to generate massive free media exposure for your business to land new customers and score some instant credibility. Until then, let's go out there, make something happen, and I'll see you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show. Hustle on. Thanks for listening to The Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com. 